Welcome to Trapartisan Radio, brought to you by Trapar Books, Films and Editions. This episode of Trapartisan Radio focuses on the work and books of artist and psychoanalyst Vanessa Sinclair. She has published many volumes with Trapar Books and is also active in collage making, cut-ups, poetry, music and film. Without further ado, let's see what she's about. So, who is Vanessa Sinclair? That's a big question. Um, well, I'm an artist and I make cut-up poetry. I'm obsessed with cut-ups and I have been for about seven or eight years now um, or more. And I'm also a psychoanalyst, so I work in my own private practice, uh, remotely online with people from all over the world. And that's very generative and rewarding as well. So I guess that's mostly what I do right now. And, uh, what about your, your uh, art artistic work? How would you describe it to someone who hasn't seen it or taken part of it? Well, the collages um, developed out of the cut-up poetry, so I used to uh, be a kind of more conventional psychologist, psychoanalyst, I would say, and then I would write about art through a psychoanalytic or psychological lens, and then over time I realized that the artists that I like to write about all engaged in the cut-up method and that many of them were often saying that anybody can do this and anyone can create art in this way and all you have to do is grab a magazine or any sort of writing and start cutting it up and seeing what it says. So after reading that and listening to talks where people said things like that enough times, I realized, hey, maybe I should do this. So I started cutting up my own writing that was about the artists that were doing this work. And that was really interesting and came up with a lot of generative uh, dialogue and text and then I started mixing the writing of uh, different artists together and my writing about different artists together and then started mixing in some psychoanalysts that I like like Freud and Lacan and yeah it's just always so fascinating and then my collages originally were just mostly text-based and uh, was just focused I was more focused on what they were saying rather than what it looked like so much and then over time I started integrating uh, pictures from magazines and then it, um, Carl got me one of these selfie printers so I could start printing out photos that were my own personal photos instead of just always using photos from magazines and pictures chosen from magazines and so it's evolved to be more personal in that way where a lot of times the collages integrate pictures of people I know or have known with words often also from people I know or have known and as well mixed with people from the broader culture and images from usually old Playboy magazines and that kind of vintage look. So it's got a good mix between uh, texts and uh, images and I like to kind of when I'm putting them together think about different color patterns so I don't think so much about what the images are of as much as like what how the colors go together um, yeah and I think the most popular ones that people seem to like a lot are the portraits that I've been doing I started doing portraits 
I guess about a year and a half ago of friends that had passed away and then I started making portraits of different artists that I admire and so on and people seem to really like them. You write, you make cut-ups of writing, you make collages, you also make uh, films to go with music and musical recordings containing your, your cut-ups and your voice. Uh, is there any medium that you feel more at home with? Um, that's a good question too. I feel like they all flow into one another really in a nice way and sometimes I feel like making more cut up poetry through the text and sometimes I move towards the collages that are more image based uh, sometimes depending on my mood or what I'm doing or my energy level I'll record some spoken word poetry of re reading uh, the poems that I make through creating cut-ups and sometimes I read the collages themselves since they have text within the collages I'll, I'll recite spoken word from the collages themselves and then usually someone else sets that to music sometimes i set it to music myself but usually it's set to music that carl's made or you know some other uh, person that i'm collaborating with uh, i just send people files and i let them do basically whatever they'd like with it and then when i get those songs back I like to make videos for the songs, which is also a kind of mix between my own personal film as well as uh, films that I can get from different sources or films that Carl's made. Uh, you, you're very uh, open for uh, creative collaborations. I wonder what do you think are the benefits and the drawbacks of working together with other people? For me, it's mostly benefits because I don't really have a strong hold on like feeling like I need to be controlling about what it needs to look like. I really enjoy actually seeing what other people do with the words. So um, I don't feel like it needs to be a certain way and I don't really like giving people too much direction. Um, my podcast is much the same way as well. I just like to kind of see where other people take things and that's more interesting for me. So yeah, in that way, I really only see benefits in creative collaborations. Now we're just uh, coming out of, uh, let's call it a pandemic isolation, which means that many people, including creative people, have been working from uh, an isolated sphere or isolated space. Um, is there an advantage of the shared physical space that you've been missing? That I don't miss so much. <laughs> I really like being in kind of my own world. I guess sometimes I notice that I'm uh, more and more in my own world uh, when I interact with people and things that seem so obvious to me or things I've been thinking about or reading uh, don't seem to be in the mainstream so much or don't seem to be what other people that I know I've been thinking about. So maybe missing the communal a bit in that way. Of course, our conferences have been great. The Psychoanalysis and Art Conference in London and the one in Murano, Italy. Um, and I don't really think, I love what we're doing on Zoom and I love that we can have events on Zoom through Morbid Anatomy. Um, but I think there is something different about meeting all together and having this kind of group weekend 
Uh, and I do look forward to doing something like that again, for sure. But in the meantime, it's been wonderful to be able to use the internet and have these kind of events online to still be able to connect with everyone. So even though it's been an isolating period, it doesn't really feel like it has been for me because so much of my interaction with people is online and I get a lot of social activity from the podcast and talking to different people and hearing different views that way um, and doing these great events through Morbid Anatomy. So it feels like we've been hanging out with our friends all the time, even if we haven't been seeing them in person. And now let's listen to a track that you made together with Nordvarg. It's called Become from the album Inner Underworld. The wolf, or thee, and passion, is an actual, stunning event. Tickets of history and rhythm, race and rhyme, melody, a strong tree with many birds over her and put his lips to hers. I am beginning to be the holiest of mountains.
stop the girls vagina. That was uh, Become by Vanessa and Nordvarg from the album Inner Underworld. The first book that came out on uh, Trapar Books was uh, Switching Mirrors. Could you tell us a little bit about the background, the origins of that book and how you uh, brought it to life, basically? Sure. Well, when I, I was doing what I mentioned, where I started cutting up my own writing, uh, and mixing it up and making cut up poetry out of that and then started mixing that with different other writers that I knew. Um, I was doing that on my own and I didn't really expect anyone to ever see it. It was just something that I thought that was interesting and that I was having fun doing. Uh, like for example, when I would wake up in the morning, I would write down my dream and then I, I would sleep with like a box of cut ups next to my bed and I would make a cut up poem right, right when I woke up and see how it kind of mirrored the dream or see what happened in that day that might reflect the cut up or the dream and, and work with dreams in that way. But it was really all from my own process and my own kind of magical and psychological uh, processes that I really just enjoy seeing wh where it went. I didn't really think of it as art or poetry I didn't really think of it as being something I was going to share with anyone and actually you Carl the first person that I really shared it with besides Caitlin um, and then when you sent it back to me as uh, little songs like I sent you some of my spoken word cut up poems and then you send it back to me put to music that's the first time that I ever mentioned something like that existing um, so yeah, it was basically your idea for the book, actually. <laughs> and you said we should make a book of these poems. And I was very happy about that, but also surprised because I never really thought of sharing them. But then once I started looking through all of the poems that I had, which was tons and tons of them, um, it was really fun to put together the, the first book of poetry in that way. And like I mentioned in times past, the it didn't alter that book at all. Sometimes, like Burroughs says, it's fine to like edit and, and write things kind of a better way to say something in a poem or in a, a novel if you're doing a cut-up novel. But that book, I was very much like in the mentality of having cut-ups be pure and not to alter them at all. So there's only like two words in the entire book that I, that I changed, and that was... Uh, I don't even remember what the second one was. I mean, it might have just been one word. Um, I changed the word sofa to couch because of the analytic couch. Um, but otherwise, it's exactly how the cut-up poems came out of the box. And the only real decision I made was to uh, where to stop them, where they sounded like they, they ended, where to make the cut. Then uh, some years later, after how, you know, having started with that the process and also integrating uh, collages and having the collages become the poems in a way, um, the uh, uh, next book project was um, the one called uh, Pathways of the Heart. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the origins of that book and if the process was different from Switching Mirrors. Yeah, it was different. And something also to add to Switching Mirrors um, is then when, when after we 
uh, put the book together or while we were putting the Switching Mirrors book together. Um, like I said, you'd set some of the songs to music and then we went to Portugal together on a trip and traveled to different kind of magical spots around Portugal and I just brought the, the book uh, in its manuscript form and would read different selections from the book while we were traveling and then you set those to music and th those became our album Switching Mirrors. So that was also another level of that magical process and then of course those have been set to to videos as well. So there's videos from the songs that are from the album that we created from the book. So that was all very special. And then P Pathways of the Heart had that similar thing where I ended up recording some of the uh, poems and turning them into songs that I actually set to music myself. And that probably was because that book was a little bit more personal in the way that it was just very emotional for me because one of my good friends had been murdered and making portraits of her had kind of started me on this new way of making collages where I made these collage portraits that people seem to be really responding to and enjoying. Um, but that really just came through my own process of grieving and not really knowing what else to do with, with it, but make art, which is the best thing you can do, I guess. Um, and the Pathways of the Heart is actually not, the, the title's not found in any of the poems. Um, the title is actually pulled from a book I was reading by Shirley Jackson, and she just had that, that line, the, the Pathways of the Heart, and I thought it was so perfect. Um, so I chose that for the title. But that's why we also included a lot of the collages themselves, um, so you can see the collages and see how the poems are pulled from the collages themselves in that one. Mm -hmm. And the next book that followed on, on uh, Trapar was a book that we worked on together and we, that's uh, an episode of the podcast in itself. It's the one called uh, It's Magic Monday Every Day of the Week. Um, so if people are interested in that book they can listen to that episode. Uh, but I'm wondering um, specifically because that's a different, it's not based on uh, cut up specifically or poetry, it's more uh, writing about um, uh, thoughts and ideas and feelings uh, about magic. And I wonder, has it been a challenge for you to write so intimately about your own magical practice and what it means to you? Um, I think I think the fact that we're writing about it on Patreon and at a certain level at the 23rd mind level makes it so that I can feel comfortable writing about it. It, it has taken me many stages of adjusting more and more to being op more open about myself. I've historically been um, a person who's much more focused on what other people are doing and how they're feeling and <laughs> what they're thinking and supporting other people and their art artistic endeavors. And I actually remember the very first time uh, my friend Melissa Diaz used to put together gallery shows uh, around Brooklyn and she saw one of my paintings that I had made and asked me to sh put it in a show. It was actually like really difficult for me to see people looking at my painting. Um, it made me like feel very overwhelmed actually. So, but that realizing that and seeing that reaction that I had to someone looking at my artwork and they didn't say anything bad about it or anything. It was just them seeing it at all. Made me realize how I kind of closed off I was and not used to kind of sharing my inner world with other people. So that just became an impetus for me to, to do it more because I, did, I don't want to feel like I'm closed off and I didn't, hadn't even really realized that I had been. 
So it's definitely been stages and stages over years. Um, and I think training as a psychoanalyst had just made me more and more kind of erase myself and my own personality because you're taught to do that as a psychologist for your job. You're supposed to be very neutral and kind of put all the focus on the other person. And yeah, that needs to happen in the consulting room. That doesn't mean that you can't have a personality outside. <laughs> I think uh, everyone should be uh, have their personality outside and, and flourish in that way, especially if they're creative. So I think it's been really good for me. Of course, some, some things are very practical that we write about in Magic Monday, kind of how to do magic 101 sometimes, the different kind of spells that I know that I've learned along the way, different practices. Sometimes I talk about the cut-up practices and, and the magical aspects of that and making collages and how that can be. Um, but sometimes it's more intimate and personal and I end up talking more about ancestor work or family history and that's probably the more difficult stuff to write about but I also think it's important and I also am glad to have a place for it to be written down because uh, like you know Carl so many of my journals have been destroyed throughout my life or lost and I've moved so many times that a lot of my kind of more intimate writings and thoughts have been lost along the way or thrown out by, by people uh, viciously, really. So it's actually really nice to be able to have a place to put them and then know that they're put down somewhere, they're in a book, and at least they have a home outside of my head. Uh, I know that you're working on a few very interesting uh, book projects together with uh, other people. I'm thinking specifically of uh, Andrew McLuhan and Alfonso Williams. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about that book, which is coming out soon? Yeah, that's going to be two books. So um, one of them is called, I don't know what it's called, but right now we're calling it like Awesome Sauce or something. <laughs> it's a... Uh, Andrew McLuhan, S. Alfonso Williams, Carl Abrahamson, and me, Vanessa Sinclair. And we're kind of putting our writing together. So Andrew and Carl and Alfonso have all sent me writing of theirs. And I also know where to find some of their writing online and other places. And so I'm taking their writing with my writing and cutting it up and putting it together and also making collages. I've already made some kind of third mind face split collages. Uh, of the four of us in different conglomerations to kind of get the p project started and to give it kind of a base foundation. And I'll keep making more collages as well. Um, but that's something I'm going to be really focusing on putting on together later this spring and in the summer. So hopefully that should be out by the end of the year. And I think that would be really fantastic because we all have such different writing and it really fits together really well. And, well, you know, you put different people together and, and different kind of themes pop up. So I think it's been really fun to work with uh, Alfonso and Andrew in that way. Um, and then we have one with Alfonso coming out called The Interlocutor, which is Alfonso's writing purely um, and his writing not, not cut up, but in the way he wrote it. And then I've made a bunch of collages uh, as images to accompany the book. And I've cut up his writing and mixed it into the collages, as well as some portraits of him that I've done. So I think both of those books will be really fantastic. You also mentioned that you're working on a novel uh, that's called Things Happen. What's the backstory of that novel? 
Oh, that's a long one. Uh, <laughs> the backstory is uh, it's a long backstory, but I guess to summarize it, um, Things Happen is a song um, that's by Coil with little Annie Bandez, Annie Anxiety. Um, and it's something that I listened to a lot in my formative teenage years. Um, for years and years and it's been kind of my favorite song of all time for a very long time and um, it also sprung from Jessica's death uh, in the end of 2020 because uh, it was also her song and we always listened to it together we, and we even talked about getting things happen tattoos all, all the time which we never got but uh, we'll have a book instead and so that's kind of the origin of where that phrase comes from in my life. Um, and then after Jessica's passing, uh, I started collecting together sort of writings uh, that I had already written and collected years before of different things that had happened in my life and different memories, um, different events that you know seem so surreal sometimes. If you've listened to my podcast, you might have heard some of it before, but um, yeah, I have a collection of writings. And so I decided to take those stories and mix them with dreams that I collected of my own and other writings and start cutting them up and cutting them together to work on my first uh, cut-up style novel along the lines of William Burroughs' cut-up novels. And so that novel is going to be Things Happen and there's a snippet of it in the first Tripartisan Review, uh, so people can get an idea, a little taste of what it's of what it's like. Now let's listen to a track that you made together with Pete Murphy. It's called Things Happen from the album The Cutting Up of Love and Language. I knew somebody once, rifled through his drawers. I wasn't that suspicious, but you know these things, they happen. I came to, startled awake as my head tipped downward. I was nodding out. We're not at the beach. Often dream of being a bird, a high flying bird. I often dream of being weightless. I daydream the very same things. Let's all have another bump. That was Things Happen with Vanessa and Pete Murphy from the album Cutting Up of Love and language. Some, some pretty amazing things can come out of the cut-up process, uh, specifically when we're dealing with words. Uh, do you ever self-censor or edit when it comes to uh, putting something together? No, I really don't. Um, I might not share certain things versus other things like on Twitter or something like that. But as far as making the art, I think it's really important not to. And, you know, sometimes like some one of my friends who committed suicide, 
uh, I made a portrait of him and his mom wanted to buy it and I know that she's very religious and I noticed in some of the words of the portrait you know it said things like vagina or something like that and I thought about like oh how, what's she going to think of that but you know at the end of the day it is what it is and the cut-ups come out the way they do and I think they come out the way they do you know in a meaningful way and so I don't want to touch or alter that and you know if people are uncomfortable with curse words or sexual words or body parts then <laughs> they probably shouldn't be uh, looking at my art anyway, because it's full of all of that, as is the human unconscious, right? The human mind is constantly trying to find meaning, especially in uh, in chaos, basically. Do you think that working with cut-ups um, have beneficial, has beneficial results in a kind of uh, nurturing of or honing these processes, like a sensitizing process? Yes, I think that the cut-up process is reflective of the process of the ways our minds work anyway. And I think that's why it's so appealing and resonant. And, you know, like you said, a lot of times the cut-ups, the way they come out, it's really meaningful. And it seem, they seem to say things that are really like clever or funny or poignant or witty. And like um, Geisen said, when he first kind of discovered cut-ups, he was like hysterically laughing at the things that they were saying. And he figured his neighbors must have thought he'd gone mad um, because they really are. And sometimes, you know, it goes through phases where sometimes like when I started doing them, they were also like super potent, powerful um, the things that they were saying were just like blowing my mind and now sometimes when I make collages I don't even actually look at what the words are saying I'm just more focused on the images so I think just like everything in life it kind of ebbs and flows where your focus is and and that sort of thing um, but I think that the process of making them yeah reflects the way our sort of subjectivity works and the way free association works the way associations are made in our mind uh, and come together in dreams. So I think that that's why it's such a yeah such a generative process, and why and I think that it's so great that anyone can do it. And you don't have to feel like an artist or a poet. You can literally cut up any kind of writing that you find and put it together. Um, and I think people should. And yeah. You also work as a psychoanalyst with patients internationally. Plus, uh, you write and edit um, psychoanalytical books for academic publishers. I'm wondering, do you feel that you need the artistic work to balance this? Or is it the other way around? I think they go really well together. Um, I lived for a long time just kind of working in the field of psychology without doing anything creative myself. But I always was very interested in art because my mother's an artist and like if we went to Disney World, for example, she would also like take us to a museum in Orlando, which of course I hated when I was like eight, but now I appreciate her doing things like that. So um, I've always been around art. I've always like been around musicians and, and people, all my friends have basically been artists. I was like the only 
analyst or you know once in a while I have analyst friends as well but most of my friends have always been creative so I've always been around creative processes and sometimes like if friends were making music sometimes I would sit in and read some spoken word or do something like that or you know hit the keys on an out-of-tune piano or something for their for their music so I would participate kind of tangentially but it was always you know in relation to what somebody else was doing it wasn't really coming from me and then I guess in 2013, uh, when I lived with Melissa Diaz and Jason Hoff, Melissa Diaz is a creative arts therapist, and she would just sit in the living room with her colored pencils and her paints and her things like that. And she was always offering, oh, do you want to sit and make art? And, you know, we'd be just watching TV or movies and like making different artistic things. And I think that's actually what got me started kind of making things myself and you know, they didn't look like anything beautiful that I would share. They were just kind of doodles and things, but it got my kind of creative juices flowing. And then, like I said, I realized at that time that all these artists that I like were saying, you know, anyone can do this, try it for yourself. And then I finally did probably in 2014. What would Vanessa as a girl think of Vanessa as a woman? Uh, I think she would be mind blown at how awesome I am. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, yeah, all of the things that I liked, especially as like a teenager. Um, yeah, it's still part of my life, which is nice. I feel like uh, I assumed people grew up and became boring and got boring jobs and um, had boring families. <laughs> I assumed, I didn't really think about what I was going to do or have a goal of that, but I just kind of assumed that was what life was. So I think what it's turned out to be and integrating art and magic and being able to work for myself and being able to know people like little Annie Bantes, who I listened to, you know, when I was 16 on repeat is really special and amazing and um, I'm going to uh, dedicate the, that book to her things happen because she's been such an influence and she's such a sweet and lovely person. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, it would be very impressed with myself. Why should people buy uh, your books and records and your art or watch your films? Well, I think they're fun. I think they're unique. Um, I don't see anyone else kind of doing what I'm doing. Um, I think and I hope that they'll be generative for other people. I always hope that they'll inspire people. That's why I keep saying like anyone can kind of do it. And that's why we're also like very open with the process, you know, and show people, you know, you can cut up any writing. It doesn't have to be yours. You don't have to be a writer. You can cut up stuff from magazines or cut up someone else's writing, like cut up Carl's writing or, or a friend of yours. Um, just grab anything and, and anyone can grab magazines and start putting collages together and with all the equipment that's available now through like Apple computers, you know, it's very easy to record yourself doing spoken word, for example. Everyone has GarageBand on their computer and iMovie. I mean, that's what I use, GarageBand and iMovie and a microphone attached to my, my phone a lot of the times. Sometimes I go into Carl's studio when I'm being, you know, more serious about it, but you, you don't need to have a studio set up. You could just do it on your phone and play with these programs that Apple gives everyone on their computers, everyone who has Macs. So 
It's really accessible. It's really fun. You can make films by cutting together film material. You can record material on your iPhone, you know, different places we go. I love to like, if we go on a little trip to an island off the coast or go to a graveyard, a cemetery somewhere, you know, I love to just walk around and record uh, images different places we are that feel really magical or potent or I always bring a little kind of tiny bag of cut-ups with me so I can make cut-up poetry kind of on the fly and I record that you know in a cemetery or by a lake or anywhere that feels potent so I hope to like explain to people that people can do this anywhere and that it's very potent and magical and gives a lot of meaning and generosity to your life um, so one of the things I learned from Carl and Caitlin, I always loved noticing how Caitlin puts together her films and how they were like, oh, I remember going all these different places with her and she would be recording, you know, when we would go to Houdini's grave in Queens or when we would go to Coney Island, she'd bring out her iPhone and, and record film there. And then later she'd edit these films together and make these kinds of short films out of them and it was really neat to see how someone just goes through their life and takes pieces of their life that way and turns them into these artistic creations and I had never thought of doing that before when I told her how wonderful that was that she taught me about Jonas Mikas and how he was always kind of recording you know everywhere he went and then of course I met Carl and he's also doing something similar to that and I really think you know I think when people aren't practicing art or creative things, they, they feel like you have to be trained or you have to know how to do it or do it a certain way. And I actually think a lot of the art schools are, you know, training people to think too much and to think in the wrong way about art uh, because it is something that everyone has the capacity to do. And like I said, especially with these technologies, and it's amazing to take slices of your own life, like like Jonas Mika's filming a birthday party with Andy Warhol there. And now we have those images, you know. You can just film anyone, anywhere, and, and then cut it together and create these little time capsules. Um, yeah, and it's amazing, and I hope to inspire other people to do it and to feel like they can have that capacity in their lives as well. If people want to get a hold of you with questions or suggest creative collaborations or ask about uh, therapy, where can they find you? The best place to go is my website, drvanessasinclair.net. Um, yeah, you can reach me there, email me, and there's an email contact page there. My email is vs at drvanessasinclair.net. And talk to me about uh, getting into treatment or if you're interested in collaborating or artistic process as well. Uh, that's the best place. That connects to everything. I just started an Etsy store literally yesterday. So you have links to the art there, links to the films, the YouTube channel, uh, the podcast. All the books are listed there. All the different places I've published papers that are in other people's books are listed there. I keep I keep kind of a list of all my interviews there and everything. And it's mostly for me just to keep track of everything I've done or doing so I have it all in one hub, but it's also very handy uh, for you if you want to go through those kinds of archives. Great, thank you very much. For more information about all our books, films and editions, please visit www.trapar.net that's T-R-A-P-A-R-T 
trapar.net. You can also sign up for our newsletter at the site. I recommend that you do that so you get all the news immediately. Please also visit our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Vanessa23carl. That's patreon.com slash Vanessa23carl. Thank you very much for listening. Until the next time, bye-bye.